Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous few programs, I've been talking about Romans chapter 11, and what I've been spending a lot of time talking about is the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles and the idea that the Jews were broken branches, the Gentiles were branches that were never put into anything, and so they couldn't have been broken off. I've been talking about those things, and in this program, I would like to get back to the big picture perspective instead of dealing with so many specifics. The big picture perspective is that God started with Adam and Eve. That's what he started with. He started by creating mankind, and when he created Adam and Eve, Adam was not Jewish. He wasn't. Adam was Adam, and Eve was Eve. There was no such thing as Israel at this time. And do you suppose that God made a mistake by doing that, that he didn't create Israel right away? He didn't create the Jews right away? No, there was no mistake concerning that. He knew exactly what he was doing. All he wanted... He just wanted Adam and Eve and the garden, and that was it. That's what he created. That's what he made. He said, enjoy the garden. Enjoy the food that I've given to you. Eat it. Have fun. Take care of the garden. Live your lives. That's what he said. He gave one commandment, and that was, just don't eat from that tree. Don't pursue the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. Because if you do, it's going to lead you to death. I made you to depend on me, to know me, to have a relationship with me. So live your lives, have children, let them live their lives, and enjoy the world that I have created for you. That's what he made. Now, things changed after that. Adam and Eve decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They decided that they would not believe God. So our God began this process of demonstrating to humanity that we should believe him. That's it. That we should believe him, we should trust him, and we should recognize that he did not create us to live according to the knowledge of good and evil. That was it. That was all. Now, he eventually created the nation of Israel, and he created the nation of Israel by giving them the law through Moses. And this, of course, was given in order to resolve the question of do we live according to good and evil or not. It was given in order to demonstrate that we couldn't do it, that there was no way that we could live in that way, and that if we were to follow through with that, we would eventually realize that we had absolutely no hope outside of his grace and mercy. That was what the law was given for. That was what it was about. Now, when he created the nation of Israel, he made a division in humanity. I want you to see this that when he created the nation by giving them the law that he gave through Moses, he divided humanity. He divided people into two groups. The first group is, of course, Israel, the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel was composed of 12 tribes, and he created the nation of Israel by giving the law through Moses. When he created the nation of Israel... 
He divided humanity in the sense that there was Israel and then there were the people who were not of Israel. And we refer to those people as the Gentiles. The word Gentile comes from the Hebrew word goyim, which is just simply a plural word that means the nations, as in the other nations. So you have Israel, and then you have everybody else. Now, when you consider this division, do you think that God wanted this division to last forever? That this was it? This was his plan? That he's going to make a division in humanity, and that Israel is going to be it? And everybody who is not Israel is not going to be it. Do you think that's what he had in mind? I don't. I don't see any evidence for that at all. And the reason why I say that is because he eventually made a new creation. A new creation through the Messiah. And in this new creation, it was described as there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, they are now one in Christ, there is nothing more than the new creation, the child of God, who has been born again by the Spirit of God. Some people were born into this world as a Gentile. Other people were born into this world as a Jew. The Jews were the remaining tribe of Israel during the time when Jesus came. There was the Jew and the Gentile, those who were of Israel and those who were not. But he made a new creation from people of both groups. And this new creation is a new creation that lives in a totally different way. We now live with our God within us. The way that he made us into a new creation was by first forgiving us of all of our sin, the sin that had entered into our lives as a result of our unbelief in God and our pursuit of the knowledge of good and evil for which he did not create us for. He created us to live in a different way. And that was to live on the basis of the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they ate from the wrong tree, they died. That was the penalty of the law. He forgave the sin of humanity so he could restore to us as a free gift. He offers that to us freely, the free gift of the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam. And if anyone is willing to receive that free gift of the Holy Spirit, his spirit within us, then we will be resurrected by his indwelling presence. We will be made alive. We will be born again. We will be made into a new creation. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm telling you that God did not intend for there to be a Jew and a Gentile. That was not his original model. His original model was Adam, Eve, and the garden. It was a people who would live in dependency on him by believing in him and trusting in him and enjoying the world that he created for them, living their lives, experiencing him, growing to know him as a person, having a relationship with him. Now, the way that God created this division, of course, was through the law. I produced two programs on the subject of the dietary laws just to give you an example of how he created this separation between the Israelites and the Gentiles. But other laws did that. For example, the Sabbath law, the laws related to circumcision. Many laws were given for the purpose of just simply creating this separation. And so God did do this, but it wasn't what he intended to stick with. He eventually brought about salvation through the Messiah, and through salvation, the Jew and the Gentile can become one in Christ Jesus. Now, for this to be accomplished, 
For this to truly be accomplished, that is, the new creation in Christ Jesus, where there is no Jew and there is no Gentile, the living God had to cut off the nation of Israel. He had to cut them off. He had to cut them off from himself and show through this cutting off that he was finished with what he created them for. He had to show the world and them as well that he was finished with why he created the nation of Israel. He created the nation of Israel so that he could resolve the question of do we live according to the knowledge of good and evil. He created Israel for that purpose. Once that purpose was fulfilled, the question was answered. No, we don't live that way. We can't do it. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much effort is put into it, it's never going to happen because he didn't make us to live that way. At that point, it's over, it's finished, it's done. So he cut off the nation of Israel. Now, when he cut off the nation of Israel from him in this sense, from him in the sense of this process of revealing to humanity that we were created for the purpose of knowing him, of resting in him, of trusting in him, of believing in him. At that point, he had no one. He had absolutely no one. When Jesus died and then he rose from the dead, after that, he had no one. The purpose of the nation of Israel was fulfilled. And the Gentiles, they were still on the sidelines. Between the time of his resurrection and the day of Pentecost, he had absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. There was this pause shortly after the resurrection, after Passover, up until the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, when our God then came and he restored the Holy Spirit to some of the people. When he did that, the church was born. A new creation was created after this short pause. Now, I want you to understand this because I want you to see that it was necessary for him to cut off the nation of Israel from what he was doing, from that process. He needed to do that in order to assert the new creation. Otherwise, the Gentiles would have assumed that the objective was to become a part of Israel, that that was the objective. The objective was to find some way to reunite the Jew with the Gentile by making a Gentile a Jew. And it certainly was not that way. That was not what God intended. He did not intend to reunite the people by making the Gentile into a Jew. And he also did not intend to reunite the people by trying to figure out a way to make a Jew into a Gentile. Now, if he did not cut off the nation of Israel in the way that he did, then it would be very difficult to see that the objective was not to make a Gentile into a Jew. And it also, I believe, would have been very difficult to see that his intent was not to make the Jew into a Gentile. He had to do a complete cutoff of everyone, which he did right after the resurrection, up until the day of Pentecost. And when that happened... When the day of Pentecost came, that was when the church was born. The new creation was then created. And a new person in Christ, a child of the living God, was created at that time. To become a part 
of the body of Christ, to be resurrected, to be saved in this way, would mean that the Jew would have to become a child of God. And a Gentile would also have to become a child of God. That they would have to become something entirely different. I want you to understand this. I really do. Because I don't think that you can appreciate Romans chapter 11 unless you understand this distinction. Because the issues that the early church was really struggling with, the issues that they were dealing with, were the issues of do we make a Jew into a Gentile or a Gentile into a Jew. Those were the issues that they were wrestling with. How do we now live according to the new covenant? What is that going to look like? What is that about? I believe that it was the Apostle Paul who revealed what it meant to live in the new relationship that our God has called us to. Now, going back into Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved Just as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. In verse 25, he speaks about this mystery. This mystery. Do not be wise in your own estimation, but know this mystery, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. How did this happen? How did this hardening take place? Well, think about Pharaoh. In Romans chapter 9, he spoke about Pharaoh and that he hardened Pharaoh's heart. How did he harden Pharaoh's heart? Just by confronting Pharaoh with who he is. That's all. He confronted Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, I want you to do something you don't want to do. And Pharaoh said, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. That was how he hardened Pharaoh's heart. When it came to the children of Israel, how did he harden their heart? The only way that he's going to harden somebody's heart is when he confronts them with something that they don't want to hear, that they don't want to know. When he exposes them to something that is different from what they want to be exposed to. Now, what was the difference? When did the difference occur? The difference occurred when Jesus came. When Jesus came and said, you have failed to live in obedience to the law. And when he rose from the dead and the gospel went into effect and forgiveness was given to humanity, Israel as well, they were set free from the law because the penalty for the law had been fulfilled. When he did that, they were confronted. They were confronted with something different. And what was it that was different? It was that you are no longer under the law. Now, when you've got a people who have devoted generations, generations of living their lives. When you have a people who have devoted generations to living a life under the law of Moses, and then God tells them, we're done with that, that's it. That was given for a reason. I'm telling you that the reasons are taken care of. They're resolved. The questions that I wanted to be answered are now answered. When they were confronted with that, They did not want to let go of the law. And so they were hardened. So our God hardened the hearts of Israel, the people of Israel, 
by giving them the law and then by forgiving their sins, which would have set them free from the law. That's how he hardened their hearts. They embraced the law, but they would not embrace forgiveness because they did not want to let go of what God gave them. He gave them something and they didn't want to let go of it. He gave them something that they didn't want to let go of because they believed that they could get him to bless them for their obedience. They believed that they could be better people through their repentance and obedience. They believed that they could be more impressive. They believed that they could esteem a greater amount of pride, of significance, of value by their obedience to the commandments, that they could be a greater person than anyone else. Now, Jesus explained to them that they were not successful, but they did not want to believe Jesus. They did not want to believe him because of the consequences of that. The consequences would be unacceptable because they did not want to let go of what God gave them. He hardened their hearts by giving them something that they thought would do one thing. And even though he confronted them and showed them that it wasn't working for them, it didn't matter. They would not believe their God. They would take his law, but they wouldn't take him. They would take what he said about good and evil, but they wouldn't take what he said about truth, of righteousness, of love, of forgiveness, of mercy, of relationship. They wouldn't take that. So when the people of Israel were confronted with something different that he presented, which was the resolution to the spiritual death of humanity and the resolution to the question of do we live according to the knowledge of good and evil, they were hardened. Now, not all of Israel rejected the Messiah. Of course we know that. It was many years before the Gentiles were really brought into the church Some of them embraced more truth than others. But I want you to see that just because God gave the law and Israel was hardened, that didn't mean that everyone was hardened. Because the evidence is overwhelming to show that not everyone was hardened. We have the Apostle Paul writing this letter right here, right now that I'm examining. And this letter is an indicator, is a clear indicator that someone who is an Israelite can still believe in Jesus. How did God distinguish between those who were hardened and those who were not? He distinguished between the two by giving them something that would confront them so that they would have to make a choice. Are they really going to believe in themselves or are they going to trust in the living God and in what he has accomplished? So there was a cutting off of Israel. And when this cutting off took place, he then offered through the gospel an opportunity for everyone to become a part of him. A remnant of Israel embraced the truth, and a remnant of the Gentiles embraced the truth. Now, when the remnant of the Jews embraced the truth, they put the law aside. They did. Now, that didn't mean that they then lived like a Gentile. No, they didn't. But when they put the law aside, they were no longer part of Israel. Just like the Gentiles, when they put aside whatever they were a part of, they were no longer a part of that. Now, this took place for a while, for only so long. It happened for a while, and then there came a point when most of the people, most of the people who were going to embrace Jesus, 
who were going to embrace the gospel did so. And at that point, there was a division, not only between the Jew and the Gentile, but also between the Gentile and the child of God, and the Jew and the child of God. There's a third person now in society, now in the world, a third person, the born-again believer, the child of the living God. Now, eventually, there was a new polarization that took place between Israel and the children of God. There was already a polarization that existed between Israel and the Gentiles. And when this polarization became more established, then I want you to see at this point that there is a clear distinction between all three groups. And when there is a clear distinction, then we have a period of time when those who are a part of Israel are going to trickle into the church, but not many. And there's going to be a period of time when the Gentiles will trickle into the church, be saved, but more people who are in the Gentile world are going to embrace the Messiah than in the Israelite world, because the choice was already made with Israel, and they decided to keep the law that God gave rather than the Messiah that God gave. With the Gentiles, they did not keep something else that God gave. They either had nothing or they would have something. And so we have been living in a period of time where more Gentiles have been coming into the church because they have not really had to let go of something, not in the same way that the Jews did. Now, there are certainly many religions in the Gentile world many religions that even identify themselves as Christians in a way that people have come out of in order to embrace the new covenant, to embrace the new life that he has called us to, free from works and to live according to grace, mercy, and his love, that there certainly is a description or a way of understanding the idea of letting go of something. But this is something that has happened throughout the course of history, This is something that developed after Paul wrote this letter, many centuries, many generations later for the most part. And so I'm excluding that. But today, today, what we have is a time period where I believe we are approaching the end when the Gentiles will also be polarized because they are going to prefer to keep what they have and not turn to Jesus according to the new covenant. I don't know when that's going to be. I just suspect that it is approaching soon, maybe in two or three generations. But I do believe that it is approaching. And when that happens, then there will be a final decision by God, a final judgment. And I believe that he will return. He will return and he will say that we are done. We are finished with this. I am no longer going to allow you to enjoy the world that I have created. We are now going to stop everything the way things are right now, and we are going to start again. We're going to start with God bringing his kingdom to Jerusalem. He's going to establish a new Jerusalem, a new earth. He's going to change everything, and we are going to see a thousand-year reign after that, where God himself is ruling here on earth. I believe that that is approaching very soon. Now, when that happens, when that takes place, there will be a final decision concerning the Gentiles who embrace the Messiah and the Jews or the remaining Israelites who embrace the Messiah. And at that point, all of the Gentiles who will be saved will be saved. And at that point, all of the Israelites who will be saved will be saved. 
And in that context, I believe we should read Romans chapter 11, verse 26, when it says, And so all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion and will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. He's still talking about salvation. He's talking about the gospel. Everyone, in verse 32, everyone was shut up in disobedience. That's what he did when he died on the cross and rose from the dead and showed that not only Israel was disobedient, but the Gentiles were disobedient. Everyone is done so that he may show mercy to all. But who are those who he has shown mercy to to the point of salvation? Those of the Gentiles who have believed and those of Israel who have believed. So he's not saying that all Israel in the sense of everyone to include those who have rejected him any more than he's saying all of the Gentiles to include those who have rejected him. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all of Israel and all of the Gentiles who are going to respond to the truth. That's what I believe he's talking about. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved. Yes, According to the gospel, in a sense, they are enemies, that's true. But they may eventually decide to embrace the truth, in which case they can be saved. Because the gifts, in verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If they will ever believe, then, even though they were once an enemy, they can be a friend. They can be saved. They can become a child of God. That's what he's talking about here at the end of Romans chapter 11. He's not saying that everyone is going to be saved. Absolutely not. He's saying that Israel had to be shown that they were cut off so that the Gentiles could see that they could become a part of God so that we would have both the Jew being converted to a child of God, the Gentile being converted to a child of God so that they can become one in Christ Jesus. And all of those who will believe him will be saved. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 388. 353 Colorado Springs, Colorado 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,